0: We love technology when it works. Sometimes doesn't quite work out, but uh, that was the sermon trailer for our series we're doing right now that we're called Unstoppable uh, that are taking over a few weeks, a few different snapshots about the church. Uh, last week, if you uh, weren't here, uh, we kind of looked in, what I want to say is like the picture window of these first house churches in Acts chapter 2, and it's a beautiful picture uh, of the church, uh, how they were, you know, dedicated to God's word and each other, you know, such displays of power, dedication to prayer. I mean, it was just You know, it's it's beautiful. We saw how the Lord just continued to add uh, to their number daily. Those who are being saved is what the scripture says. I mean, what we know of this early church is that, you know, God used it to transform the world. And so this weekend, we're looking at another very important uh, text in the Great Commission. Uh, But in honor of Father's Day, I want to invite uh, Pastor Dave, if he would come up, and uh, what we'd like to do, you know, kind of in the way of, I don't know if you saw like dad jokes, you know, where people share them back and forth. Look at that. He's got them on his phone. I got him on this, this stuff, whatever this is. Um, but um, so we want to share with you uh, our best dad jokes. All right. So are they uh, really the best though? Okay. Well, that's what we're going to see. <laughs> all right. I'll go first. Is that all right. Yeah, okay. Here it is. Why do you never see elephants hiding in trees? Because they're really good at it. All right. So It's so got to get better. So, so why is Peter Pan always flying? Because he never lands. Mm, okay, all right. Well, hey, I got good news. This week I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon, and we'll see. Which street? Uh, No, what state has the most streets? Rhode Island. All right, all right. I don't know if you heard, but the graveyard down the road here is getting overcrowded. Apparently, they're just dying to get in there. (laughs) You know, I used to really hate my facial hair, and then it grew on me. Oh, nice, nice. Nice. If any idea, maybe some of you have been scuba diving. You know what the lay, lays at the bottom of the sea and twitches? A nervous wreck. <laughs> Why did the football coach go to the bank? To get his quarterback. Ah, there you go. Why don't skeletons ever go trick-or-treating? Well, they have nobody to go with. How, how do celebrities stay cool? Mm. They have a lot of fans. Oh, nice. I don't know why mine are so morbid. I have one more here, but I, people, uh, somebody was asking me if they thought the new glass coffins are going to be a success. I said, that remains to be seen. And my boss told me to have a good day, so I went home. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Now, I did want to just set up just a little bit in response to God's word this morning. We are going to have... Uh, a time of uh, prayer uh, at the altar and so I just wanted you to be thinking like as we're sharing the message if there's something that you want to come forward and you know intercede uh, we're just going to open up the altar uh, after the message be able to respond in prayer and then worshiping with our tithes and offerings uh, and uh, with uh, closing worship uh, music as well but at this time if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28 uh, this is a text that we call uh, the Great Commission. Uh, in fact, do we still have our tree graphic um, that we utilized last week. Bam, there it is. And, you know, kind of talked about uh, two essential scriptures that we will look at. So, one we're looking at today is uh, kind of thinking of the church in this kind of way Matthew 28. Uh, where you know the church is to be growing it is to be reaching out right that that God's never his intent was just to continue just to kind of gather and gather and gather but that we would have that sentness you know there's a sign on your way out from here right that says you're entering the mission field it's that very essence that says that we are uh, taking this gospel that we are missionaries really everyday missionaries we take this gospel you know where we work and where we play and you know, even, even to our homes, you know, just everywhere we go, how important that is. And then Matthew 22 is that root system, you know, where Jesus says, right, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so if we can be doing that, reaching out to the world, presenting the gospel, and at the same time growing deep in his love, you know that that is the way that Christians grow, and that's where, how great churches grow, right? With those two uh, focus. And so Matthew 28, and start at verse 16, and then we're just going to kind of work through it uh, verse by verse. But it starts off this way: that then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And so we're going to take a few moments kind of looking at uh, this particular very, very important text uh, that Jesus gave as some of the final words, uh, you know, to the disciples, to the church. I think he meant for us to really grasp, to understand, and to to live these out. You know, he begins this way, he says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Isn't it interesting? If you remember a few weeks ago, we were at... Um, Acts chapter 1, and there Jesus was saying to them, stay in Jerusalem because there is a a gift that the Father wants to give you. Well, here too, it said that Jesus has set this time up. He has asked them to come uh, to Galilee to meet him on this mountainside. And so Jesus is just giving all of these directions, and he has kind of ordained this moment for them to come together. He has asked them to come, and they have come. It says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. Have you ever thought about that scripture? Have you ever read that and thought, wait a minute, you know, like, isn't this like the Great Commission text? Aren't these the, the disciples that are coming and some others as well, coming to hear these words of Jesus? What, what do you mean that there were some who worshipped him and then some doubted, right? That some were on track, they were worshipping, they're like, oh yes, God, you know, we, we see your plan, we see it unfolding, we saw what happened on the cross, you know, you know we're there with you. But then there were some who doubted, who had lots of questions. And actually, it's not really that way at all. I mean, in this particular text, when that particular phrase there, but some doubted, the Greek is actually very helpful here. The word for doubted is distazo. And it's different than all the other words for doubt uh, in the New Testament. All of those are actually a diakrino, which means kind of a disbelief. But this word here, when it says that some doubted, the definition, the better definition for this word is wonder. And so when these disciples come together, and they're on this mountainside, they are ready for this word and this great commissioning. Because some are worshiping, and some are just like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. This is amazing. This is awesome. So all these disciples were ready. In case you ever read it like, you know, I used to read it, you know, to say like, oh, there were some who were doubting, they're doubting their faith. No, these disciples came and some were worshiping and others had this sense of wonder saying, this is amazing watching God's plan unfold. And then it says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now this is really, really important. You know, you might be wondering like, Why does Jesus have to say this? Why, why does he have to talk about uh, his authority? Now this is very different than his power and his nature. There's so much of that that did not change. But you see, what happened is, is that as Adam and Eve were created in the garden, if you remember back in early Genesis, that Satan came and tempted them, and they fell. Now, one of the things that happened in that was that Adam surrendered his authority over earth to Satan. And Jesus just wants us to make it clear that at the cross, not only was our salvation sealed, Not only did Jesus give us forgiveness for our sins and the gift of eternal life, he took back the authority that Satan had taken from Adam. And he said, now, all things, let's be clear, all things in heaven and on earth are under my authority. And what I say goes. (laughs) In fact, in John 17, he says something very similar. So the Father's given me this authority and that authority is to give eternal life. Jesus says, you have to understand. Before you go and you tell others about me, just be assured that the Father has given me authority in heaven and on earth. And that salvation, salvation is our message. Eternal life is the gift that the Father's ready to give because of what Jesus did on the cross. The other thing too is that Take this with us, that in this great commission, we have to know that we go and we make disciples. We're going to talk about that more in just a second. But we do this in the authority of Christ. We don't do it in our authority. If we try the great commission in our flesh and in our energy, I'm telling you, it gets tiring. You know, I mean, it just doesn't work, does it? But when we stand on the authority and the power that Jesus gives us, then we have the power to fulfill the Great Commission and to make a difference. Jeremiah 2.13, it says, My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. (laughs) You know, it's the same thing with us. That if we try to live out this Great Commission life, In our own power, we won't have water. We won't have life, you know. We will finish. We'll finish with our broken cisterns, you know. But if we trust in Jesus, he gives us the power and authority for the Great Commission life. Point number two in your notes, or I'm sorry, that was point number one. Start here. Number two, the main thing, make disciples. You can take the whole commission, take it into those two words of make disciples, Reading verse 19 again, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So this is the great commission that we have. The charge that Jesus has given to us, that these are the lives that we are to live, that we are to go make disciples You see, in this particular text, we have make disciples, which is the the main verb. And then we have three participles. Some English majors out there. Um, So we've got three words that help us to define that notion of making disciples. And those three words are go, baptize, and to teach. And so if you can think of it in kind of this way, that he's given us this charge to make disciples. And the way that that happens is through, through us going and baptizing and teaching. Now, let me just break some of these down just a little bit more. That sense of, of going, all right? Maybe your first question is, where do we go? Well, the first thing he says, therefore, go and make disciples where? Of all nations, Now, this was really, really important. You see, in the Old Testament, God had a family, the nation of Israel, right? But that nation of Israel, the design of it, was not just to be this people that only God related to. If you look at throughout the Old Testament, God the Father is desiring for his nation Israel to influence other nations, to introduce the Father that they have, the God that they have, to these other nations, right? I mean, that, that's really what the design was. The problem is the nation of Israel didn't always get that. Sometimes they thought that God was just for themselves, or sometimes, instead of influencing other nations, they ran into real difficulty because they would be influenced by other nations, right? And all of a sudden, they would take on other behaviors, cultures, religions, and gods. But here Jesus says, look at, we are going, and where we're going to is all the nations. That this message of the gospel, the death of Jesus Christ and being raised again, is the message that we are taking everywhere we go. That just, And we take it to the ends of the earth. That he's not, you know, designed this for a particular ten people, but we're going to reach all nations with this message. The other thing, and the, the Greek helps us again, is that the sense of go, is it's really kind of in your going, you know, is the sense of the word go here. And so what Jesus is saying is that, you know, this isn't always about taking trips to other places, but really the sense of go is your living, it's the life that you live right? And so this great commission is what we take into work, and it's what we take to the grocery store, and what's what we take to the playgrounds, right, and ball fields, and just where we go. He says that it's in your going that as you go, you know, this is what you do. This is the life you live and the gospel that you share in love. And so that's the sense of the going. And then it says, talks about baptism, right? And and, and the qualifier for the baptism here is to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so there's some ways that this is like Jesus' baptism and some ways that it's not. The way that it's like Jesus' baptism, because if you think back to when Jesus was baptized, do you remember that moment, right? Jesus came and John the Baptist is about to, to baptize him and at that moment Jesus is in the water and the Father comes and says, you know, this is my son, you know, whom I love. And then we know that the spirit represented by the dove comes and then falls on Jesus as well. And so, so powerfully at the baptism, we see God in his fullness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that is, you know, how we baptize, is that we realize that what we are is that, you know, baptism isn't something that happens to us, but rather we are baptized into the family of God. We are baptized into a relationship with a God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, this is how important relationships is to, to God. He has existed in relationship to himself since the very beginning, right? Right? I mean, God has always been in relation to Himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And here, through baptism, we are grafted in to His family. We are now a part of that relationship. The way that our baptism is different than Jesus is that our baptism signifies something very, um, you know, specifically on the inside. And that is that we are repenting. We are repenting of a sinful way of life. And we are embracing the kingdom of God. That's why baptism is so important because it is that time where, you know, it's kind of that public profession to say, I just, I just want other people to know as you watch me being baptized that God is doing something very significant in me. That I am identifying with Christ in his death. That I'm putting away an old self in an old way. And I'm saying yes to the new life that Jesus is bringing to me in my life and then it talks about teaching teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you now you know what they would be most familiar with is the rabbinic style of teaching right I mean, that would be the the kind of the practice that they'd be familiar with, The kids would be trained up in the Word of God. They'd actually memorize large portions of it, and then if they got to a certain point and all of that went well, they would garner a relationship with a rabbi and they would continue in their training. Now, I'm not uh, advocating that we become rabbis, (laughs) Um, but what I am advocating is that in the same way that a rabbi might have a disciple, that we think about that similarly in our own faith, that we would be somebody who might live a lifestyle that impacted other people, (laughs) that we would live a lifestyle that so reflected Jesus Christ that our lives would point others towards him. You know, I mean... For the rabbi, you know one of the things that they did they, they wanted to mimic a rabbi's behavior so much is that they would even try to sneak into the room where he was sleeping and try to get under his bed so that they could mimic his breathing before he went to sleep right I mean that's how much a disciple would want to mimic a, a rabbi's life. I think Christ is saying here, so live lives that glorify God and just in every aspect of it that others can see and that they can be taught and they can learn God's ways with their life. And God, I don't know if you, maybe you've read the Great Commission often, but this was one that was kind of new for me this week where he says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Did you notice that? Right, you know, Jesus doesn't say, teach them everything that I've commanded them. But he says, teach them everything that I've commanded you that's really important right we want to be really careful that we don't do a lot of preaching and teaching about a life that we're not willing to live but rather we say i'm going to do my best to be obedient to god and to follow his commands in my life and whatever way that might impact other people i want god to do it the final thing They have in this great commission, point number three, is the promise of his presence. The promise of his presence. So Jesus closes it this way, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Well, I tell you, I am sure glad he doesn't give us this great commission, say, this is what I want it to be all about. This is what I how I want you to live. This is what I want you to do. And I, I'm going to be way over here, guys. I'm going to see how this goes, you know. <laughs> he doesn't say, like, this is the great commission that I'm giving to you. I want you to live this out. I want you to make disciples, but I'm going to be a halfway world away. No, Jesus says, look at In this endeavor of living the great commission and of making disciples, I'm going to be right there with you. I have to tell you that I've experienced this verse a number of times in my life. There's been times when I've been been sharing my faith and I don't know where the conversation's going. I'm just asking God to use me. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody's asking me a question about the faith and I'll have this response. And to be quite honest, what I'm saying, what I'm thinking when I give this response is like, whoa, that was really good, God. You know? (laughs) I mean, when we are faithful and obedient and we are, we're willing to kind of share our faith and tell others, you know, about uh, our faith, it is amazing the ways that God shows up. It's amazing the ways that God will speak through you, right? And all of a sudden you're just like, oh, wow. I never thought of that. That was really good, you know? Um, I mean, but it's just the way that God enters into those moments and uses us. And it happens the same thing when you're in discipleship. You know, if you've ever been part of a small group or in a discipleship, you know, kind of relationship, it is amazing the revelation that we get from God when we're trying to help somebody else, right? I mean, have you ever really discipled or taught somebody else about the Christian faith, but you got even more out of it yourself? Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, it's like, man, this is so awesome. This is so good, you know, That and God just meets us just in very specific and special ways when we will live out this great commission. You know, we don't, I know that we're just still getting to know each other, but I do try to, be a little bit more devotional in nature, especially like on Mother's Day, Father's Day, you know, Christmas Eve. Um, And so uh, I want to just keep on going with our service here. But I also, I want to kind of close um, with this kind of thought that on this Father's Day, I'd, I'd like to share with dads that are in the room, so moms and ladies, you can check out for a bit here, (laughs) Um, is that I realized, you know, we're looking at the Great Commission, and we're looking at uh, this text, and it's a real important one. In fact, the other reason I want to, you know, kind of even move on from the time, the little time we spend in God's Word today is because we're going to come back to this verse even kind of through this series, because this is such an important one. But what I want to share with the dads out there, now, I don't really you know know you in the intimate levels of your life, so please don't think I'm thinking of any particular person. I just want to share with you my experience. Um, for how many years? I guess it's 20-some years of ministry. You know, one of the things I realize about this text and kind of one of the things I'm even presenting to you this morning is that this is the church, that this is the charge that's been given to the church to go and make disciples of all nations. But I want to speak to dads and just to share with you that here's a small hint for you, that this text was given far before the institution of the church was given. And so, really, the the greatest expression of this great commission, I believe, was first in families. And so, what I want to share with you, Dad, is that I want you to embrace this call and this charge to make disciples. But, Dad, I want you to start right in your own home. You know, I think about some of my first positions in ministry. One of my first titles was pastor of spiritual formation, you know. And so in this kind of role, you know, it was my job to understand, you know, how 2,000-some people could be discipled, you know, how the Spirit could be formed in their lives, you know, how they could grow as Christians. But I will tell you that the two most important disciples that God has given to me are my son Josh and my son Jared. (laughs) You see, if I didn't make them a priority in my discipleship, (laughs) right? um, It's just really important, Dad, that you realize that in this call of making disciples that God has put your first disciples right under your roof. And some of you are grandparents and you have wonderful times that you get to spend even with your grandkids. I would encourage you, show Christ to those grandkids so that they can see the difference that God has made in you. Let's pray again. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love. And we thank you for this scripture where you have asked us to go and to make disciples with our lives. May we start with our homes, but may we never finish there. But that, Lord, we're asking that you might empower us to live our lives in such a way that others would see you through us. And that, God, we would take this commission, that we would live it out as we leave this place, and that, Lord, you would just use our lives in powerful ways. And, Lord, I pray that this gospel that we share would not be just the words we speak, but it would be the lives that we lead. You know, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to just kind of follow the Lord here. And I want to encourage anybody that is in the sanctuary here and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never asked him to be the leader of your life. Maybe as I was talking about that sense of repenting and turning from one life and embracing the kingdom of God, that that's where your heart is today. I can't think of a better day than Father's Day to understand the love of the Father. So here's the great news that to become a Christian, it's not giving a certain amount of money. It's not attending certain classes. But to become a Christian and follower of Jesus, it is a heartfelt prayer that we pray from our hearts to His. Asking Him to forgive us of our sins. Asking Him to be our Lord and Savior, the leader of our lives. So if that's where you're at in this moment, and others of you that have made this decision, would you just pray for others now? But if that's where you're at, would you just say this prayer quietly in your heart after me? Dear Jesus... I ask that you would come into my life. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. And I, in this moment, receive the gift of eternal life. And it's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that we pray.